Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So I'm very grateful that you're listening, and I always want to thank you very much for encouraging people to listen to the show. And I've been doing this now for so long, almost 20 years, I think, which is quite remarkable. And I thought today that I would do my favorite, favorite show of all times, and that's the one that started me off with all this, and that's the Be Your Own Best Version. And so I try to say to people, you know, stop trying so hard. You're already worth more than you think. And somehow we get this terrible feeling that we don't measure up, that we're not good enough, that there's something wrong with us. And we do the if only then and the coulda, shoulda, woulda. And I want you to think about this. Have you ever felt less than or not enough? I mean, I know I can feel that way almost every day and I have to fight that feeling. So do you feel as if you never meet the expectations of those around you, or are you constantly striving? Are you exhausted? You know, always living the if only then, you know, and if only I achieved success, got that promotion, reached my goal weight, I don't know, found love, then I would be valued, then I'd be worthy, then I'd be good enough. And so you say to yourself, are you kidding me? <laughs> You know, you're thinking to yourself, I think those thoughts all the time. Well, you know, here I am, and I still can think those thoughts. And so I have to really fight those thoughts. And we all do. And so those thoughts certainly haunted me throughout most of my adolescence and my young adult life. And some of that was being adopted. I've always had this feeling that I wasn't good enough and that I had to prove that I was worthy of love and acceptance Yet all of that striving and trying to be, you know, quote unquote enough on my own led absolutely nowhere. I was on this spinning wheel of trying to measure up to the world's system of valuing performance oriented behavior is what it's called. And that's a system that requires you to show people who you are and what you do in order to convince them of your value. So what happens is I think thoughts like this. 
I have to have the right kind of job. I have to look a certain way. I have to drive the right kind of car. I have to build the illusion that I have it all together. And it's deceptive because for a while you feel as if you're successful and valued on the outside. You feed on the accolades and the compliments and the measuring sticks of your success, but it's never really enough. In fact, the truth, right, is that performance-oriented behavior is a trap. And it keeps us from genuine fulfillment because it's always just out of reach. And so it's always got this idea that somehow I'm really not good enough and I hope nobody finds it out. And so I'm going to fill up my life with all kinds of things that make me look like I really have a great life and I have my act together and that everybody would want to be me. So listen, I experienced some outward success in my younger years. But I struggled with stress and disillusionment. And the fruits of my performance-oriented behavior, though nicely dressed with trappings of success, it was never fulfilling. And I was left feeling more driven by anxiety and compulsion, you know, immeasurably worse off than, I, than where I had begun. And I felt lost and I felt very far away from my own purpose. And I started to trust myself even less. I finally reached the end of my own abilities. And I stepped off the spinning wheel and took one step back to God. And after running from him for so long, I I really did offer my life and not even sure it was worth anything to him. Because I, I felt so small. I felt messy and imperfect and unworthy. And surely I had messed up in my life and purpose with, you know, my own efforts. And I couldn't comprehend that it was me that I was the, of enormous value to God. I couldn't believe that he actually valued me. And the moment I realized my value is when everything changed. And so when you recognize that you are invaluable, you are the only one that is you. Nobody can really copy you. They can copy some things you do or say, but your DNA is unique. See, it turned my world upside down because I began to comprehend my value. And I came to understand how God thought about me, that actually he chose me. He chose to create me. And he chose to create you. And so we have this wonderful Psalms 139. It's when David beautifully depicts God's ever-present interest in us. He searches us out and he knows us. He sees our very every action and lovingly created our innermost being. He chose us. See, David exclaims this in Psalms 139.6. It says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. See, we are incredibly loved and valued. And this is the secret, choice. Choice is one of the biggest components in love. It's easy to feel love But it's another thing entirely to choose to love. And you see, from love comes a subsequent valuing of something or someone. And God thought about us, wanted us, chose us, and acted upon that choice. See, there's great value in understanding this. The valuing of something is always indicative of the effort, the time, and the sacrifice the price that's applied and the belonging to and the determination to be sought out and acquired. See, God thought about you 
He chose you, and he wanted you. Just, just really let that sink in for a moment, because you have to remind yourself that God knows everything. He knows all the way from the past all the way into the future. So when God says, I thought about you, I chose you, and I wanted you, it was with full understanding of who you are. It's not like he had to get to know you, okay? <laughs> I mean, he knows us to the innermost parts of our being. So there is this greater truth about his love. And that is that we have guaranteed value to him. Our value is guaranteed. It cannot be revoked. It cannot be earned. So the words guaranteed and value touch on the idea that humans have two very important emotional and psychological needs. One, to feel they are important and special and that they have worth, which is value. And two, to be able to depend on these feelings as true. See, that's the guarantee. It's guaranteed security. This is why God reiterates this over and over again throughout the Bible, of how valuable we are to him, and that we have great worth, and furthermore, that we can believe this with complete confidence. We can't mess it up. That, that's mind-boggling to me, because I mess up too many times. And I'm so thankful that God is not determining whether or not he loves me based on my behaviors. So think about this. You know, if you were depending on it, like we do with money, and you see the value in money, but you also see how it fluctuates as easily as the stock market changes from day to day. Well, God's economy doesn't work that way. He created us, and he knew before the beginning of time what purpose he had for each and every one of us. He was willing to put in the effort to bring his vision to completion, to commit to the process, to know that we're diamonds in the rough, that we have great value. He's not depending on us to ensure our own value. He's the creator, the purchaser, the committed one. He determines the value of the object. See, he didn't wait for us to show him that we're of value. He already decided we are of value, just like people, you know, if they, if, when you're looking at diamonds and they're diamonds in the rough, and it doesn't look very much like a diamond, but it is of great value. And so this is where I love this verse. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Just think about that for a minute. That God began a work in you as soon as he thought you up, as soon as he created you in your mother's womb. He was determined to see your value become completed. And so he began this good work, and he's carrying it out to completion. He thought us, and he bought us. He knew what he was getting into. Now, what a relief. When I realized that, that helped me to stop striving and stop trying to be perfectionistic. That I was like, wow, I can relax and simply follow him. I can trust him because he's doing the work. I need to be willing to follow him and let him do the work. See, God's not fixing us up to become more valuable. He's fixing us up because we are so valuable. 
Think about that. That's the same thing with the diamond in the rough. He's not fixing us up because we're not very valuable and he's trying to create more. He's simply saying to you, I'm fixing you up because there's so much more about you. There's so much more to find. There's so much more to discover. So as we begin to fully understand who establishes our value, and we know that that is our God and creator, we know that nothing else matters as far as our true value is concerned. Our value is intrinsic. It doesn't come from anything we do or create. It originates from our creator. We are made in his image, and he instills the value in and of itself. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of guaranteed value. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you, as always, for joining in and also for telling your friends about the show. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that this is helping, that this is encouraging you. It encourages me to write them. And even though I, you know, most people that know me very well know I don't like writing. (laughs) So I can talk really well. I just don't like writing. And so this is why this is so important, is to recognize our own value and that our value is not in what we do. Now, in the the psychological realm, when we're treating people, what we want them to understand is that their worth is not based on their behaviors, okay? So think about that. Your worth is not based on your behaviors. So when you consider an emergency room at the hospital, do they decide who they're going to help based on, I don't know, who they are, how much money they have, if there's potential in that person. See, they don't see any person that comes into the emergency room as a throwaway. They consider the sanctity of the value of that human. And so when we begin to fully understand who establishes our value, you can recognize and know that it's God, it's the Creator, that we know that nothing else matters as far as our true value is concerned. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry that we're not good enough. Our value is intrinsic, and it comes from anything we can do or create. It doesn't come from our performance. See, when you have little kids that, you know, do a, a watercolor painting and you put it on the refrigerator, you know, you know that nobody's going to hang it up in the Louvre, Right? But in your house, it means so much. So as we begin to fully understand who establishes value, that is God and our creator, we know that nothing else matters as far as our true value is concerned. It originates from our creator. We're made in his image, which still instills value in us and in and of itself. So when you think of this analogy of the $100 bill, See, if I were to give you a crumpled up $100 bill, would you take it? Of course. Well, what if I gave you a $100 bill that had been in a parking lot stepped on and stuck with chewing gum? Would you still value that? Yes, it's $100. What if it was in the dumpster? Would you search for it? I don't know about you, but for $100, I would put plastic gloves on and get busy looking. 
See, because no matter where that $100 bill has been, no matter what filth it has on it, no matter what it was used for, no matter how many times it's been crumpled up, it's still $100. And that's how God feels about us. The same is true of our value to God. Like that $100 bill, we cannot do anything to decrease or increase our own value. We have guaranteed value because God values us. It does not depend on us. See, let's say that again. We can rest and depend on the fact that he values us. Therefore, we are valuable. It is guaranteed. So though we sin, we have our mistakes and blunders, they actually are seen through the eyes of love and attachment. See, God's very attached to his people. And our sin, though grievous to him, because he knows its consequences, it is not reflective of our value or our own authenticity or why we were made. See, think about the $100 bill again. Even if it had been used to purchase drugs or some other nefarious purpose, that transaction doesn't devalue the $100 bill. It's simply not being used for its highest, greatest good. See, that's the difference. The $100 bill is always $100. But if we use it in a nefarious manner, we don't take away the value. We've just missed the whole point of the $100. See, it's the same with us. Our value, when we stumble, it doesn't change the worth that we have as humans. Our sin does not affect our value or his love for us. Really what it does is it increases his sorrow when we are not acting like the value that we have. So if you ever question your value, and I know we all do, please know that at your worst, Christ died for you. Before you even knew you needed him, before you even knew you wanted him, he valued you. See, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were nothing, in terms of the world's version of value, we are valued by our Creator. Before the world ever saw our value or acknowledged our worth, we were valued. Before we even knew Him, He valued us beyond measure. We were valued just as a sunken treasure or searching for a gold mine. He knew and knows our worth and works relentlessly to show our true value. See, that's Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 8. And it says, even when we are at our worst, with absolutely nothing to offer of value, Christ died for us. Wow. See, the truth about guaranteed value is revolutionary and so counterculture. It is utterly inconceivable to our human minds that someone would love us in that state. But to die for us when we're that bad? That's unimaginable. See, even in my darkest hour when I felt I had absolutely nothing to offer God, he scooped me up and called me valued. He took all my plans and all my missteps and all my striving and redeemed me with his love. He showed me that I was his child, that I was bought and paid for with the sacrifice of his son. I didn't do anything to earn his love. Because I was his child, I had intrinsic value.
See, God was and is enough. I was and I am good enough. So God wants us to move the knowledge of his love for us from our heads to our hearts so that we assimilate it into our identity. If the intellectual truth becomes integrated into our heart, then we can access it now. It makes sense. When it comes to my value, I need to accept it the same way that I accept that Christ died for me and that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, this is not easy. However, we as Christians can accept that Jesus is the Son of God, that he rose from the dead, resides in heaven, and lives in our hearts. Yet we still struggle with believing that we are valuable. So we must accept the fact that we are sinners who are highly valued by God and in need of a Savior. So think about, you know, if you love cars. I love cars. So, you know, when they like, you know, there, there could be like a 1962 Corvette, right? And they refurbish the whole thing and it's great and now it's like brand new. Well, that's kind of what Jesus does with us. See, the Corvette always had value. It might not have looked very good. But when the Creator came and said, hey, I can, I can redeem that car. I can make it look new again. That's what God does for us on a daily basis. So we need to realize and accept, I cannot regain what I have not lost. Now, we can feel like we lost our worth, lost our value. And we can feel those things, but that doesn't make it necessarily true. And this is where I give my clients this great little saying that God gave me, and that's that feelings are very real, but not always true. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about your wonderful value. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I always appreciate that you take the time to listen to the show, that you look at all the things on Instagram, Facebook, on the website, and know that there are lots of helps there for you. So we are talking about this idea of guaranteed value. And what guarantees value? Well, the guarantor, right? So how, how can you really think about, wow, if a guarantor has to determine my own value, then who's determining my value? Well, this is why it's so powerful. God values every single human, and it has nothing to do with what they can do, how they look, how they act. He still considers each human very valuable enough to die on a cross for him, right? So we have to believe and internalize this truth about God's guaranteed value of us because we have all kinds of research that shows when humans feel valued, they act better. They have a lot more confidence. They make better choices. So we have to recognize that regardless of our sin or failures, the feelings of unworthiness aren't necessarily true. See, feelings should not be indicators of our value. And what, we, what I said in the, in the last segment, at the very end of that segment, I said, one of the axioms that God has given me was, feelings are very real, but not always true. And this is really important to recognize. 
because my feelings are very um, compelling and they feel very true. But I go back to the idea, and I've given this this uh, concept on the show many times. When I was uh, working as a, a therapist at at a clinic for people that had eating disorders, these young girls felt so fat. They felt so fat. They could barely stand it. They wanted to crawl out of their skin. And you know what? They were losing weight because they did not want to eat. They were terrified of food because they thought it would make them fat. And I had to work with them relentlessly about understanding that that's a feeling. You can feel fat, okay? Maybe all of us do it one time or another. Does that make it true? And so this is where, for these poor anorexics, I said, you have to stop believing what you feel and find out what is true. And so I say that to you today because God has guaranteed value for you and it isn't about your behavior. The reason that he wants us to change our behaviors many times is because our behaviors are probably harming us and they're probably getting in the way of us having the life that he really wants us to have. So here's what I want you to think about. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says God will never condemn his children. He corrects, he chastises, and he disciplines. But he never causes any child of his to feel despondent, alone, gross, unlovable, unwanted, or beyond help. That would be a lie. If you feel those feelings, that would be a lie. The conviction of Scripture always produces life, not death or darkness. When the enemy wants to devalue your very existence by pointing out all of your sins and all your shortcomings and all the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, if only then, and your past, you need to refute it with the truth that you are highly valued, that God himself died in your place, that your value does not come from your behaviors. Your value comes from the fact that you were created and deeply You are deeply loved. So let's think about this. That that the redemption through Jesus. See, we take a step toward living in his abundant life and grace. And I promise you, you know, you accept Jesus into your heart. It doesn't mean you're going to stop sinning. I mean, I wish that were the case. I really do. I I would ask Jesus into my heart every minute. And so you have to recognize that our behaviors do not connotate love. That's not how it works. Our behaviors have an impact on our life, absolutely, positively or negatively. But our behaviors aren't necessarily where our value comes from or where our identity comes from. So I really want to encourage you to take a step of faith, just like I did, and believing the one who created you and values you and allow God to scoop you up and call you, quote unquote, the valued one. Accept that he values you regardless of your behavior. Accept that God values you even if you don't feel it or comprehend it. Even if you've rejected God, even if you've spoken poorly, terrible things about God, remember when when we didn't belong to him or chose him, he still chose us and died for us. This is the proof of our inherent value. 
Join me in the last segment as we talk more about your continued guaranteed value that you can depend on. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. So thank you for tuning in. We're in the last segment of this show today. So I want to encourage you to go to your favorite website. I mean, I'm sorry, your favorite podcast, and you can download the show there. Uh, there, There's a whole entire, there's years of shows on that. And so I want you to also remember to tell your friends about it, because I think if people could really understand how very valuable they are and that their value is not about what they do. And so in 2010, this is when I came across this idea of be your own best version. And when I coined that phrase in 2010, it was really about me understanding that, wow, I need to be my own best version, not somebody else's version of me, not who someone else wants me to be, not who I think I should be, could be, would be, ought to be, but really the best version of me. And I'm not going to then compete with other people. And so when I figured this out, this was way back even in, 20, uh, in 1990, that, you know, through all this experience I've had and watching and researching, you know, I learned some really basic core truths, which continue to stand the test of time. And these I found to apply to everyone, everywhere. So I'm going to elaborate on these three things that God helped me with when I realized my eternal value and that I am so valuable to God and to so many people, regardless of my behaviors. I mean, how many times have you forgiven a friend, a family member, right? Your kids, your employer, your employees, right? because humans are valuable. And you and I both know this because if you're in an, an emergency room and the person that's on the table getting, re- you know, dying right in front of you killed somebody in the car wreck, do you decide, well, they're not worth saving then? No, we don't t- t- determine someone's value based on what they've done or who they are. So this is what I came up with. And it was three very important tenets. And the first one is, You are alive for a reason. God created you with a purpose, weaving it into your very creation. You see, there's a reason that you're here. It wasn't happenstance. God was very excited when he created you and wants to be with you for eternity. The second thing that is so important, you can affect change in yourself and the world around you. And I want you to think about this. Have you ever been in the grocery store and you're going through the line and someone's having a really difficult time and they're frustrated and they don't have the right food or the, the line is too long? And all you do is look at them and say, man, this is taking a long time, isn't it? And the person softens and says, yeah, I can't believe this. And so all of a sudden they feel seen. That there's nothing wrong with them being frustrated with how long the line goes. It just means that I can affect change in really, really small ways and really, really big ways. 
that that is how important each and every human being is. So you can effect change positively by giving someone a, 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 like a positive experience and then they carry that on to their friends and family. Or maybe you help them get out of a bad mood and they become a better driver because they're not so mad anymore. So you, I want you to think about this. First, you're alive for a reason. God created you with purpose and he's weaving it into your very creation and you need to discover it and be able to present it to the world and give it as a gift to the world. The second one is you can affect change in yourself. Now, I know this to be true because I've been a practicing therapist for 25 years, and I see how people can change and how they can become a better version of themselves and how they can make friends with themselves and actually like themselves. Because I know for my life, I went through many, many years, and some of this was because I was adopted, so I didn't look like anybody in my family. But what happened was I was constantly striving, trying to reach this moment where I could feel good about me. And what I had to realize was that the the way for me to feel good about me is to be who I really am. Not try to be somebody else not try to undo and redo who I am based on the current status in the world or the current, you know, whatever is popular at this time, that I can, I can really accept me and be the best version of me. See, nobody can compete with me on that. I'm the only one I can compete with myself or I cannot try at all. Thirdly, I want you to realize pain is inevitable and the effective management of it is imperative if you are to be who you were originally created to be. Think about what would happen if Jesus decided that it was all too hard, right? He knew pain was inevitable, but he had to manage it, and he did, for our benefit. And so we can become who we were originally created to be. And it's the same concept as, you know, if you've ever, I was a swimmer when I was younger, And one of the things the coaches always taught you first and foremost is as you're swimming in your lane, you don't look to the right or left. If you do, you lose seconds of time and you could lose the race. And so I had to realize that I had to manage pain. It's always going to be here in one way or another. Either I got my feelings hurt, I I got sick, I didn't get to have the job I wanted, somebody, um, I don't, rebuffed me, whatever it may be, I'm going to have pain and I have to effectively manage it if I'm going to be truly who I was created to be. So this first and foremost fundamental truth is that you're alive for a reason. Your life is not an issue of happenstance, and you are here for a reason. So there's a point to all this. So I say to you, so why are you here? What are you going to do about being alive? See, you'll either be surviving or thriving. So think about that. Are you just surviving your life? Are you just surviving the moment you're in, hoping and wondering if it's ever going to get better? Or have you decided to thrive, which means effort? And it means that you have to commit to yourself, and it means that you have to accept yourself so that you cannot put energy into things that will never work. It's kind of like if I decided that, okay, the best version of me is going to be an NFL football player. Well, that's absurd. 
I was not made to be an NFL football player. And if I were to try to do that, I would be trying to be somebody that I'm not. So we want to make sure that when we are really being our best version, that that means we are affecting the world around us in a way that only you can. So the fact that you will influence others is a given. Regardless of your position in life, you will affect people, places, and things. And so we live in a world that's extremely interconnected and highly complicated. So what kind of effect are you having? Are you one of those people that leave others feeling replenished, renewed, reinforced? Or are you the person that leaves people needing to be repaired and restored? Like, are you the one that's sending people to therapy, right? So why is this so important? Well, I believe if you are being the best version of yourself, you will add, not detract from others and the world around you. You see, you have something in you that is unique, special, and original. The most important question you could ever ask yourself is this. Are you the best version of yourself? So what is the best version of yourself? Whether you're being a parent, an employee, an executive, a spouse, or a friend. Second most important question is what is holding you back from being your own best version? This is where the concept of life management comes into play. I want to teach you to be your own life manager, learning to manage your own best version of who you are and what role you are operating in. Now see, when I'm talking about management, I'm not talking about being overbearing. I'm saying that you have this compassionate witness in your life, in your head, in your heart, that says, you know, we could do that better. Or I want to do, I, I want another chance, I want to try that again. Or I don't like what I just did, so now I don't ever have to do it again because I tried it and now I know I don't like it. So when I am teaching individuals, when I'm helping families, corporations, on how to be your own best version, I want you to think about being the version that is unique, original, and unable to be copied. And, you know, God really helped me with this because I was quite perfectionistic. And so he helped me understand that nobody can succeed like I can, and no one can mess up like I can. And so this is important for you to recognize that dysfunction is never really original, nor is it creative. But we all do it. And so we can, we can really learn from that, move forward in it, and say, you know, I don't need to keep redoing that. I already know the outcome. And so we don't want the predictable and the common to steal from you what is so original, unique, and authentic. I want you to be your own best version, the cutting edge version of yourself, the version of the future. However, if you have not overcome your past, you cannot become your future. So I'm going to say that one more time. If you do not get over your past, you cannot become the future. See, if you're living in the past, lamenting over all your past mistakes and missed opportunities, dwelling in shame, running away, you will be, you will be unable to achieve your best future because you're not present. You're doing the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, if only then. Secondly, if you are the one, if you are one of the fortunate individuals whose past is filled with great successes and happiness, 
well, I'm happy for you. (laughs) I don't have that past. But you can still be the best version. It still needs to be continually updated, revised, and refined. Otherwise, your past may be brilliant, but it may not be new. So when we think about this second truth, that I can affect change in myself and the world around me, what does it really mean? Well, if I don't understand this concept, I will just survive my life. Because people, places, and things will affect me. I will go through life hoping that it treats me kindly, hoping I will be successful, hoping that my relationships work out, and I will depend on luck. My life will be happenstance, and I will feel like I'm only alive to survive. So I love Thomas Akempis, and this is what he wrote. This is 600 years ago. Everywhere you go, there you are. Think about that. 600 years ago, Thomas Akempis wrote, Everywhere you go, there you are. If I understand the power of effect, then I begin to realize that I choose, consciously or unconsciously, whether I will live a life proactively affecting my world or live a life reacting to the effect coming at me. You've heard the axiom, if you don't like what you're getting, stop doing what you're doing. Well, truthfully, yes, it's an internal job. It's about me. The change must emanate from within. The only place I truly have control is me. So maybe I need to change what I'm doing. Maybe I do not understand how I'm affecting my external world. If I live my life trying to control people, places, and things, I will certainly fail. If I want to affect change in people, places, and things, then the change must come from within me and be manifested in my behavior and attitudes. You see... The greatest way to change my external world is to change my internal world. I cannot create outside of myself what is not what is not in me. So everywhere I go, there I am. And it will not be somewhere outside of me or in some other person or something waiting to be found. This will take everywhere I go because that's where I will be. And so I want you to really practice this and take this in. And I hope you have a great week. God bless you in all your endeavors. Be your own best version. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.